when it comes to parasites and just weight, first we need to understand what parasites are doing. A big piece to parasites is affecting the brain and your serotonin. And when your serotonin is affected, it's going to cause a lot of issues. One being it's going to actually drop the serotonin. Okay. You're going to have likely anxiety, not able to sleep. Your melatonin is going to be low, depression, fatigue. Usually at this stage, we're also going to have some sort of low hydrochloric acid, meaning low stomach acid. And so when you eat, sometimes you're going to feel bloated or you're going to eat a whole bunch and never feel full. Hello and welcome. Have you struggled with weight loss resistance? No matter what you do, you just cannot lose weight. We are having a very unique conversation about the role that parasites have in weight loss resistance. So I was interviewed by Shanna Hewson on her show, the fast to heal stories podcast a couple of months ago. And it was such a great conversation that Shanna gave me the opportunity to share this recording with you. So we are going to cut to the recording in a moment, but just so you know, the voices in today's episode, Shanna Hewson is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, nutritionist and RDN specializing in reversing insulin resistance. She is the host of the top rated nutrition podcast, fast to heal stories, where she helps her listeners implement a low insulin lifestyle with key strategies of timed eating and fasting meal order and therapeutic carb restriction as key strategies to achieving lifelong health. After struggling with her own health issues and experiencing the failures of the conventional health and nutrition industries, Shanna developed various online courses and wrote her best-selling book, Fast to Heal, to help as many people as possible reverse insulin resistance with her proven five-step system. So again, we are going to be covering everything parasites, weight loss resistance, what's going on on in the body when we do have parasites. This is an interview of me by Shanna. So let's cut over to it. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Welcome, Leanne, to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I know I say that with every guest, but really you are a wealth of knowledge. And as we were talking a little bit before we started recording, there's just so many different angles we could go and so many questions I could ask you. I could probably do about five interviews with you, but (laughs) let's start with your personal story with those who aren't familiar with your work and, um, you know, just kind of what led you to the functional nutrition and the holistic nutrition and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I know it's like as you've been in this space, the more you know and the more you have to talk about. I remember I studied holistic nutrition in 2007. So I've been at this game for a while and I really came out just wanting to educate people on how to eat better, just looking at common things that we can shift. I was doing a lot of like grocery hauls with clients and I would go to the grocery store and teach them how to choose better foods. And I really felt like that's what my role as a nutritionist would be. But through my own personal health, having had amenorrhea, which is a lack of period for seven years and really struggling through that, trying to figure out the ins and outs of how to get my cycle back. Little hint here, and we might get into it a little bit later if it comes up. I did end up getting my cycle back through using a ketogenic diet. And so as I started kind of playing around with cycles and hormones, obviously I found the ketogenic diet, started doing that, started teaching more on macro adjustments and how to manage that. And then I was dealing 
dealing with some pretty serious health issues kind of at the end of 2019. I had had my cycle for a couple of years. Things were going good there, but I was really tired. My bowels weren't great. And I was like, what is going on here? I feel like my diet is so dialed in. It's so dialed in. So on a whim, I just did a stool test. And I didn't know much about stool tests at that point. So I hired a dietitian to help me. And I was diagnosed with Entamoeba histolytica, which is a pathogenic parasite, which the dietitian at the time did not tell me the severity of this parasite. She basically said, there are really two ways we can go about this with herbs, which will take longer or something a little bit stronger. She didn't at that point tell me that if we couldn't kill it, it could turn into liver abscesses and liver issues, which fast forward a little bit, I I did have quite a lot of liver issues because I didn't address it. And so that was really the first time where I had looked at my diet and my lifestyle factors and all the things I was doing. And I figured like, it's not enough. I missed, I missed a big piece to this. You know, I, I had always thought that if I could just get my food dialed in, everything would be fine. And I think that gets us like 70% of the way for most people, even a hundred, like some clients that I take on even now, when they clean up their diet, they're great. They are awesome. There's nothing else wrong. And they, you know, they have great genes and they haven't taken on a lot of chemicals or metals or they're just, they just, they're just good. But for some of us, it's just not the case. And that was me. And so in 2019, when I got this parasite, tried to kill it, didn't work, tried to kill it, didn't work. And I was like, okay, well, your girl's going to have to just figure it out. So then I started studying functional nutrition and uh, functional medicine, learning from a bunch of different practitioners, including bringing functional blood work into my practice. And so that's kind of where I'm at now, understanding that, yes, food, so important. If you don't have the food dialed in, all this other stuff is kind of challenging. But the amount of chemicals that we are subjected to on a daily basis, the amount of stress that we have that lowers our stomach acid, which brings in these parasites and bacteria and, and affects our gut, all of this is intertwined, but it really has to start with nutrition. So that's kind of where I am at now in 2023 is working with clients one-on-one, helping them through this process and trying to figure out where they're at in this process and where, where they, they should put most of their energy. And I'm sure your story resonates with so many people because I know just like you, like I'm, I'm a clinician and I help people clean up their diets and we work on lowering insulin overall and just whole food and doing all the things, looking at sleep, looking at stress. And there's still people who are like, ah, I'm, I'm doing it all. Like, I don't know what's the next step. And as a clinician, it's frustrating too, because you're like, I don't know. Like I've taught you everything that I know. I, I'm not sure mm-hmm. what the next step is. So parasites are a very interesting issue. And if we want to call it that, and I know we haven't talked about that much on the podcast, but I know like it, they can be very, very devastating and very hard to figure out. And little background, my son, my middle son, who is now 17, was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2016, which a terrible, terrible bowel disease. And while they treat it as an autoimmune disease for the vast majority of people, for me, I'm like, you know, I just think this is an infection of some sort because it was so out of the blue. And it's like, it just doesn't make sense for him personally. So I had to do a lot of digging and investigating and his stool samples would come back normal. I'm like, oh, there's just, there's gotta be something that we're missing. So yeah, let's talk about parasites because that is a new topic. And I'm sure we can, you know, bring diet in with that as well. But how did you, how did you know, or how did you start suspecting? I know you said, um, like you were just tired and, and things, you know, you felt off, but how did you even think, um, like I, I need to go get that stool sample. And then which stool sample did you use? I'm sure people will be curious about that. And then, you know, how did you even go about starting the whole process of looking at maybe I have something going on in my gut? Yeah. So I did it all wrong. I had no idea what I was doing. 
that's always the way it is, right? Especially for practitioners. That's what's, it's so beautiful about my job that I get to work on myself first, but that's the difference. And I want to preface this because it's really important that people understand the difference between an influencer and a practitioner. An influencer then uses their personal experience to help people. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think as practitioners, we naturally do that. You know, like I had H. pylori a couple of months ago. It was terrible. And that has encouraged me anytime I have a client with H. pylori now, I'm like, are you okay? Are you comfortable? Do you need anything? Can I help? Because I know personally, like hands-on what it feels like. But where practitioners need to also understand is I've never had ulcerative colitis. So I don't know personal experience, but I have a responsibility as a practitioner to understand the root cause reason behind that, some of the solutions, even though I myself personally haven't gone through it. So though I am explaining my personal experience, it's going to look different for everybody. And that's why it's good to work with a practitioner instead of an influencer, where influencers can be super helpful if they've experienced something and they can share their experience. They won't have the full experience of like more of a clinical brain to look at things. And so I just want to preface that because it's, I don't know, I'll get off my soapbox, but it's like, it's a very common thing. So I think for myself personally, really, I didn't even know that you could, I I knew you could test the stool. I knew that doctors had offered to do this for me in the past. I had had well, I know when I picked up the Intamoeba histolytica, I had a terrible bout of something when we were in the Dominican on a diving vacation. It was terrible. I've never been in that much pain in my entire life. My digestive system was not okay. And after that, I started dealing with a lot of food sensitivities. Like I couldn't handle tomatoes, onions, garlic, any nightshades other than potatoes, really random things that just started progressing. And I just thought, you know, it's because I was sensitive. I would drink bone broth and think that that would help my gut. It won't. You know, that's what we learned in school, just really good collagen and bone broth, and that will help. But yes, that will help seal the gut in some ways and provide um, some support there, specifically for increasing secretory IgA, which are gut soldiers in the gut. But it's not really going to help kill things. Like in the, in your example of your son, ulcerative colitis, you're totally right to think, is there an infection happening? Like viral, fungal, bacterial, yeast, clostridium is, is super popular for that, E. coli, parasites. And so we need to kind of think outside the box for this. So I hired a dietitian that was more functionally minded to help me with this because I really didn't know. I knew something was off and I, I would try to work out and I couldn't. And I was like, hormonally, like I'm fine. I don't understand why I'm so tired and what's going on. So she recommended GI map from Diagnostic Solutions. Now, fast forward now four years, I 100% without a doubt recommend GI map from Diagnostic Solutions. I found it to find it rather to be the most accurate test out of all of the options. I've had clients who have no budget at all be like, can we do like three different stool tests and see what comes up, which is like $1,200 just drop in the money. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, let's be a nerd. And it is crazy how much more detailed the GI map from Diagnostic Solutions is. So if somebody's looking at testing their stool, that's the way I do it. When you go to your doctor and you say, I think I picked up a parasite from Mexico, they're going to do an OVA screening. If you are like not okay, the doctor will find it in your stool. If you're just like semi-okay and you'll probably live, the doctor will not find it in your stool. And so that's why I really like the GI map. If you are thinking, because there were a couple questions to your question, so I want to make sure I cover it all. (laughs) Symptoms of parasites. There's some random ones kind of all over the place. Drooling when you're sleeping, a big one. If you eat pork products, chances are you might have a parasite. They're quite common. Same with eating um, sushi, raw fish. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, I have a cruise ship story. If you'd like to hear it a little bit later on parasites on cruise ships, very common. Uh, loss of appetite, uh, pain and like pain at your belly button. I remember I used to touch my belly button on the inside and it would be quite painful. That's one sign. Uh, blurry or unclear vision, eye floaters. If you bite your fingernails, migraines and headaches, this is a big one not for myself personally, but many of my clients after we clear parasites, all of a sudden their migraines go away. It's crazy. Rectal or anal itch that's beyond like fissures. Normally fissures will cause like anal itching, but this is like next level. Sometimes you can it can even be triggered by 
eating pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin seeds are a natural anti-parasitic. And so if you find you've just like had some pumpkin seeds and all of a sudden your butt is really itchy, that's you killing parasites and them not being too happy about it. Dry lips, like the lips, not, not of course, if you've been like in cold air and your lips are dry or it's winter and those sorts of things. But like when the dry lips kind of go like beyond the border of the lip and they start taking over the front of the face, um, that can be part of it. Perioral dermatitis is kind of related to that and can also be parasitic sites. Yeah, those are oh, and if you kiss your dog, like stop <laughs> kissing your dog. Um also if you sleep with your dog. Now, I still sleep with my dog. There's no way that she could function not sleeping in our bed. So it is what it is, but like the kissing of the dog, a big one, dark circles under the eyes. Some of these I didn't have, but those are some common ones. Also, if I see vitamin deficiencies, mineral deficiencies, if the white blood cells are super low and the ferritin is low, um, and just there's a massive need for nutrients across the board, I'm thinking like a chronic parasite issue. If it's if it's really bad, I'm thinking Giardia, hands down, without a doubt. I'm also thinking Giardia, uh, which is a very, very common protozoan parasite that also affects our glucose. And so... It's if somebody's saying, I cannot, like, no matter what I do, I cannot regulate my glucose. It's always all over the place. I'm swollen all the time. I see nutrient needs in their blood work. I'm thinking Giardia. So I think I answered all your questions, but let me know if I failed on any of it. Oh, that is like, whoa, you know, your mind just blows. And it's just like, you look at these and there's so many, you think of people like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that fits that person and that fits that person. Um, but the Giardia with the blood sugar, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. So that I had a friend who had Giardia really bad and you know, for about a year and a half, it went undiagnosed because she'd go get tests and nothing would show up. And she lost so much weight mm-hmm. and um, just didn't want to do anything. And finally it was diagnosed and treated. But so does it dysregulate blood sugar both ways, like highs and lows or or what happens? Mostly high, like in long... Okay. So in order to understand this, we also need to understand the interaction, not only with parasites, but also with mold and chemicals. And so this whole other world that I what that I didn't even know existed before this is really the concept of our body has certain things in it naturally, right? Like we're probably going to have some parasites. We're probably going to have some viruses. You know, you carry around the chicken pox with you, even though you had it a long time ago. Or Epstein-Barr is a really common thing. can get reactivated during stress. What's happening in our terrain, in our body and around us will influence what triggers and what displays and what doesn't. There are people like my husband, for example, he's a carrier of H. pylori. I can't get it low. Like it's just in his body. It doesn't cause any symptoms. But when we're sharing drinks or anything else, I will get the H. pylori. And because of my sensitivity and what terrain is in my body, I will display symptoms. So we first need to understand that Giardia might not show symptoms wise at all. There will be some people with Giardia that might have a lot of swelling, exercise intolerance. They'll actually not be able to gain weight. They won't be able to fast. Their glucose will generally be elevated all the time, like over 100 all the time, not really highs and lows, just always high. But then there will be people with Giardia that are fine. And like we saw it in their stool. They don't have any parasite symptoms. And then it just becomes like, how deep down the rabbit hole do we want to go with this? Because I... I I play around with this depending on the person, but generally speaking, if you don't have symptoms for something, I'm usually not going to be like, let's kill parasites. If you have no parasite symptoms in your life is fine. Even if we see parasites in your stool. And so that's, that might be a little bit controversial and not how some people do it. I think in the functional realm, as with anything, the thing that's most important to me is how a person's feeling and how they are experiencing their life. And so I'm not going to dig down a rabbit hole that they don't feel. And that, that takes like a lot of wisdom to like know when to just like stop and say, you know what? I think we, I think we're good. Even though I'm seeing this, we're just, if something happens, you know where to reach me. And so with Giardia, it's usually when it's displaying and it's in the presence of probably the worst Giardia case I saw was when the person was living in a home that had um, mold and maybe asbestos too. We're not really sure kind of what that was, but that was probably one of the more severe cases is 
usually we can kill parasites just fine if um, the person's in a safe environment. But when there's mold or you've just moved into a new home and there's a lot of chemicals in the new products, it's going to be harder to kill off the parasites. So... Perhaps you are supplementing with magnesium right now. Maybe you're doing a glycinate or a malate, or if you are wanting to get your bowels moving, maybe an oxide or a citrate. Magnesium is absolutely essential. It's needed for both glycolysis and the citric acid cycle, aka making energy. It's needed for 500 different enzyme reactions. And you've probably heard this and thought, I need magnesium. And you'd probably be right. But where a lot of us fall short is the magnesium that we're choosing. I've seen magnesium levels completely regulate by taking a well-rounded magnesium supplement. What I mean by that is a bunch of different forms of magnesium in all one supplement. And that's why I really love by Optimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough. This stuff is awesome. I pull a ton of hair tissue mineral analysis assessments month by month by month. And by far, just about everyone has a magnesium loss or absolute depletion pattern in their hair tissue mineral analysis. And I've used all sorts of magnesiums from creams to Epsom salts, magnesium salts, down to the malates and the glycinates. And I've really settled on the magnesium breakthrough by Bi Optimizers. So if you are looking for a well-rounded magnesium supplement that will help to calm your mind, help you fall asleep, stay asleep, wake up refreshed, look no further than Bi Optimizers. If you go to magbreakthrough.com slash Keto diet. That's M A G B R E A K T H R O U G H dot com slash keto diet and use the code keto diet 10 all in caps. You'll get 10% off their magnesium breakthrough. This is fascinating. This is so much. I've done a lot of, like I said, my son was sick for three years. I did a lot of digging, but it is, it's fascinating. And um, just how these little microscopic, microscopic beings can disrupt our hormonal systems and all, you know, so many things, our digestion and, and, you know, it's just, it's frustrating for so many people because they might be dealing with this and they might have been dealing it with it for 10, 20 years. And they just think it's how their body is. Like you said, sometimes that, that natural flora is just different for everybody, but sometimes, oh, you know, these symptoms, there's, there's a reason for them. And we did get, once I found a, an integrative doctor, we got a GI map for my son when he was really sick and it was such a mess. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't even yeah. know where to start here. And the, um, the integrative we did some um, natural antiparasitics, but he actually ended up going on an antibiotic protocol, which healed his yeah. his illness. But I st- I always like to have like backup methods. Like, okay, if some you know if he were to get ill again, or you know, there's there's still like I still feel like there's just an imbalance of some sort that will probably. Yep. Only- linger with him. But anyway, it's, it's just, it's really fascinating. So how can parasites, I know this is probably a huge loaded question and there's so much, Great. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, most of my listeners, you know, we talked a little bit about blood sugar dysregulation and how Giardia can play a role with that, but I'm sure they're wondering like, how, how does this play in to weight loss resistance? Even, you know, we, the blood sugar dysregulation definitely plays a role role, but the weight loss resistance and the hormonal system, you know, like we could probably talk the whole rest of time on that. Um, but, and then I don't want to throw too many questions at you at once, but you know, what are their, their first steps if they suspect like, I'm not losing weight. And maybe, you know, I do remember a time, like I went on a trip or whatever. And like you specifically remember, maybe some people don't remember, but others do. And they just, you know, that's just how they're living now. But, but yeah, how this plays into weight loss resistance and then, you know, how, what how to, to do about it. Yeah. What to do. Yeah. 
one of the points that you talked about right at, um, a little bit ago was like the microscopic beings. And it's first important as we kind of get into, do we actually have parasites? Is this actually an issue? 70% of parasites you will not see. So if you're like looking around in your poop and you're like, man, it looks fine to me. We're good. 70% of them we will not see. Now, the protozoa type that I had, the Entamoeba histolytica, you're not going to see, which is a total bummer because I've like always wanted to see something in my poop, <laughs> yeah. like killed you. And yeah. that was that was the experience I had on the cruise ship. Now, when we travel, I always take antiparasitics. I'm on antiparasitics a week before we leave, while we're there, a week after we get there. And we had beef carpaccio one night and I was like, ooh, this might be dangerous. I'm kind of nervous, but I'm on my antiparasitics. I'm going to trust them. Sure enough, two days later, worms in my stool. Gross, disgusting worms in my stool. So um, that's just an encouragement for those people that, you know, maybe you think you have parasites or you just have been digging around and not seeing anything. Now, when it comes to parasites and just weight, first we need to understand what parasites are doing. A big piece to parasites is affecting the brain and your serotonin. And when your serotonin is affected, it's going to cause a lot of issues. One being it's going to actually drop the serotonin. Okay. You're going to have likely anxiety, not able to sleep. Your melatonin is going to be low, depression, fatigue. Usually at this stage, we're also going to have some sort of low hydrochloric acid, meaning low stomach acid. And so when you eat, sometimes you're going to feel bloated or you're going to eat a whole bunch and never feel full. And so there's like two sides of this. One I, I notice with paras like chronic parasite issues is the person is just highly inflamed and therefore so incredibly puffy. They're reacting to everything or they're like eating a ton and just not feeling things. Usually it's that they're not eating enough. And this, as we know, not eating enough is going to cause a massive amounts of weight loss resistance because your body's just going to set out that danger sign that just says, we're not getting enough fuel, therefore shut it all down and hold on to everything, right? So there's that piece of it. And then there's the other piece of like you were saying with your friend with sometimes with chronic parasite issues and there's actually people that will infect themselves with parasites to lose weight i will never understand it makes no sense <laughs> to me um but there is that other side of it where your metabolism is just so incredibly broken and you become so incredibly depleted it's very similar to um, the blood work of somebody who's had gastric bypass or something of this nature where the body just can no longer absorb anything and we can see it in the blood work. And so you really have these two sides of it. And with the weight loss resistance piece, it's generally... It can be chronic for sure, um, but it will cause dysregulation, like I said, of glucose. Generally, when we're inflamed from these parasites, it's usually coming with other things like mold and metals and chemicals because parasites eat these things. And so parasites, when they're in your body, when you have mercury fillings, for example, the parasites will nom, nom, nom up at that mercury and keep it all in their body. They'll start eating your ferritin. They'll start eating the glyphosate that you're consuming and your fruits and vegetables that are non-organic. And so you just have these vats of all like parasite vats of all this gunk that they're just holding. And so you get really inflamed, that serotonin lowers, therefore your gut is inflamed. And when we're inflamed, we are resistant. We are weight loss resistant. We are generally insulin resistant. Um, the cravings that we have for certain foods are going to be really off. I know that that was my experience. Like I would, I would just crave things. I no longer have those cravings. Like I just eat and move on with my life. Another piece we have to understand, because I think you talked a little bit about hormones and what it's doing with hormones. So when we look at parasites overall, when we look at our blood work, some things we want to look for is how is the liver doing? Okay. So from a functional perspective, we really want to look at our AST and ALT. And we really, as women, don't want that to be above 20. Generally, most women that I start working with that will have some form of parasites will have their AST or ALT usually around like 25 to 30 or super low around like five or six. And usually that will signify the B6 deficiency that's quite common in parasites. It can also be common in women who take birth control because birth control will lower B6. Um, so not always a correlation there. But the complete parasite pattern will also include elevated asonophils, basophils, monocytes, low ferritin, 
Uh, sometimes the bun will be low. Sometimes LDH will be low. Sometimes alkaline phosphatase will be low. The GGT might be low. And then that AST, ALT is usually high or low, white blood cells high or low. And so when we look at liver function with parasites, understanding like for myself, for example, Entamoeba histolytica not only lives in the gut, but actually goes through up to the lungs and the liver and starts infecting the liver. Same with liver flukes, um, which are crazy common. Like it's crazy how many liver fluke pictures I get from clients. It's nuts. They're everywhere all through the liver. And so when your liver isn't working properly, the liver is the the home of so many of our ability to manage our, our hormones. So in the case of, for example, the thyroid, Thyroid hormone conversion takes place in the liver and the gut. Where are parasites? In the liver and the gut. Okay, so if we're having issues with hormones and we're just like not getting anywhere, it would be good to look at parasites and whether or not that's an issue. Now, if you do a GI map and no parasites come up, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have parasites. The GI map only panels a couple of parasites. They're way more than what they test for. And so this is why I started moving over to functional blood chemistry to look at some of those patterns that I just talked about in order to determine if symptoms are there and blood work is showing it, then chances are, even if the GI map shows up with no parasites, then chances are this person has parasites. Also, GI map just added uh, something called isonophil activation protein to their lab like a couple of months ago. I think it was like October or November of 2022. And that can also give a good indication of parasites. So can an elevated secretory IgA on the GI map. Now, I'm the type of person where I'm not going to say, oh, you have high secretory IgA with no history of parasites, no, none in the blood work, no symptoms, but we're just going to go ahead and address parasites. No, 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 no. It's like the culmination of everything kind of pointing in the direct, yeah, there's probably a parasite issue. So if we don't have a proper liver function, our thyroid, like we talked about, our thyroid is going to be sideways. Another piece of this is understanding in the case of estrogen. Estrogen dominance is such a big issue, um, not only with our susceptibility to xenoestrogens, all the plastics and everything that we're just taking in that's going to cause an increase in estrogen. But when we have a dysregulation of our gut microbiome, when we're thinking about dysbiosis, dysbiosis will increase something called beta-glucuronidase. Beta-glucuronidase is an enzyme that reactivates estrogen. So picture this, your liver is going through all its processing. It's like, oh, we're going to get rid of that estrogen. We're going to put it in the bile. We're going to, and that's another piece of this estrogen piece, which we can talk about. And then the estrogen gets to the gut and beta-glucuronidase is like, (laughs) not today and reactivates the estrogen. So if we can start working through the dysbiotic patterns, we can lower the beta-glucuronidase and therefore the body can start to flush out all this extra estrogen. Now, when we have high estrogen, the first thing we think about is weight, right? If we have high estrogen, chances are you're not going to be able to maintain a healthy weight. Chances are you're going to be like a little bit puffy. You're going to have a hard time losing weight. You're going to have a hard time with uh, metabolism overall. And this kind of goes forward to women that have had gallbladder removal or a lot of gallbladder issues, generally because bile is so necessary for detoxing the body of estrogen and just for overall liver health. I found that most of my clients that come to me with gallbladder removals um, will either have a parasite issue or have an estrogen issue or both. Okay. So uh, it's really important to understand the role of healthy bile. And when we have our gallbladder taken out, like it's very rare that I've seen a client with gallbladder removal that has been able to like effectively break down their food and effectively create bile because all we're doing is taking out the organ that was displaying the problem, but the problem still exists. And so because estrogen is such a huge part of this entire conversation, Maybe it would be helpful to also kind of go through some of the symptoms of estrogen excess so you can kind of determine 
if, you know, kind of follow the train of thought, dysbiosis, which is a dysregulation in our gut, then causes an increase in beta-glucuronidase, which then causes an increase in estrogen, which then causes an increase in weight loss resistance. So if you're having difficulty falling asleep, fatigue, irritable moods, mood swings included in that, anxiety, breast tenderness, especially like leading up to your cycle, I find when the breasts start to just get like painful, like you could just, just, oh, just so painful. Um, excessive or irregular periods, they're coming, going, spotting, fibroids, low thyroid, achy joints, um, hair loss, headaches, migraines, triglycerides that are elevated. Okay. So this kind of might even tell you that you have a dysbiosis problem. So, and then it's all related to parasites too. So that's the first part of your question. And then the next part was, what do we do about it? Do you have any questions about that before I get into that? Because I just no, talked like for this, forever. It's so fascinating. And we've talked about PCOS quite a bit on the podcast and that being driven by insulin resistance and high testosterone and usually lower estrogen and lower progesterone. But the source of the of why that's happening, you know, it, it could all trace back to this as well. But and then just looking at the estrogen, like with when you say gallbladder, I think, oh yeah, store the bile, emulsify the fat, but you forget yeah. about the whole estrogen, or at least I do, because <laughs> I don't talk totally. about it. But the estrogen part of that, and I'm just thinking of all these people who don't have a gallbladder who I know who have so many digestive issues. So yeah, it's I always tell people like they're and and people lose faith and they lose hope and they're like, I'm just broken. My body's a mess. And, but there's always gotta be like the body wants to be healthy and heal. There's gotta be something that you just have to keep digging for and be patient. So I think that this just opens Pandora's box for so many people and gives them hope. And, you know, the whole thought process can change once you realize what could be at the root cause of everything. So no, it's, it's so fascinating. And and I think it just, like I said, gives people hope to know that that it's not just them and their broken body. So um, yes, go ahead with with what to do then. Completely. And on the on the topic of PCOS, because it is such a common thing, oftentimes we hear like, "Don't be stressed. Address insulin resistance. Right? Like, fix your diet." And those are all really, really great things. But I've met many, many, many clients who have done all that perfectly and their PCOS is still like totally raging. So then we have to look at inflammation in the gut, the dysbiosis piece that we already talked about. Environmental toxin exposure is super, super, super common here, like phthalates, DEHP, BPA, cadmium, mercury. Um, Generally speaking, if a client comes to me with amalgam fillings, aka mercury and PCOS, I'm like, you do not need to pay me. You need to talk to somebody about getting the mercury out of your face, like immediately. Poor liver detoxification, big, 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 big one because of the estrogen dominance, because of everything we just talked about. And mitochondrial dysfunction is so huge for PCOS also. So if you've just been like spinning your wheels with the PCOS situation and you're just like, ah, um, those are some of the root causes causes that I've found can contribute to PCOS beyond the like exercise and eat better because those are all great things, but they just might not be that ticket for you. And we talked about at the beginning. So I guess like, what do you do if you have parasites? Well, unfortunately, what most people will do is just go to the health food store and pick up like the Renew Life parasite kit and try to kill the parasites. But the problem is, is that you need to think of your body as I like to think of it like a sponge. Okay. So follow my, follow my imagination here. Your body needs to be able to squeeze things out. How it squeezes things out like a healthy sponge is through our sweat, our pee, our poo, our breath. Okay. And so even our cells through the mitochondria are detoxing and moving things around in our body. And so if we're not going to the bathroom once or twice a day, at least once, if you try to kill those parasites, where are they going to go? <laughs> if you're not sweating, how do you expect to get the chemicals out of your body that the parasites are eating off of? Because your, your body is going to, like what you said earlier, your body wants to be healthy. Exactly. That's usually why it's keeping parasites there because the parasites are eating up all the garbage in your body. And so the, the body will be like, yeah, let's keep these parasites here because it's eating all these metals. It's eating all these chemicals. And so we need to start thinking about how to make our body a supple sponge and we're wringing it out because right now all of our bodies are bricks. We're uncomfortable sweating. 
if we do sweat, it's just like a tiny itty bit after an hour of being in the sun. If you're that type of person, you really need to work on your sweat drainage pathway. If you're not going to the bathroom, that is the first priority. Now, the tricky thing is, is that like parasite issues will generally cause constipation. So you're usually not going to get this like totally, totally perfect, but going to the bathroom at least once a day if you can't through supplementation, like magnesium citrate is really good for this. Magnesium oxide is a little bit more oomph. Uh, you can use herbal remedies and those sorts of things. Even just like relaxing in the morning and drinking some tea or coffee and, and not like scheduling in some downtime when you first wake up so that you literally schedule in a poop. Because I think at least for myself, if I don't schedule time to just sit down and relax so that I can poop, it won't happen because I'm just that type of person where I'm go, go, go. So you need to start thinking about how how are these things going to get out of my body? And so we call that drainage pathway work. Drainage pathway work is so, so, so important to start with. And unfortunately, a lot of people will go to practitioners. The practitioner will say, you got parasites and they'll give them an antiparasitic without asking questions about how this parasite is going to get out of the body and how we can open up drainage so that the body is ready to drain. We even have the glymphatic system, um, which I think was a term coined quite recently of how the brain drains. Okay. So like I said, brain, uh, breath, skin, lymph is also part of that. You might find that you have blocked lymph if you have like cellulite or veins or you have uh, swollen lymph nodes. So lymph is also how parasites move around the body. So that's important. Uh, the liver, which we already talked about, that's a drainage pathway. So supporting the liver. My favorites for supporting the liver are going to be Tudka, N-acetylcysteine for people that are sensitive, though that will bust biofilms. Maybe this is a conversation for another time, but biofilm busting is usually why people will feel terrible on a parasite cleanse or other cleanses that they do. Bowels, which we talked about, urination through the kidneys. So just thinking about those aspects and doing that for like 30 days before you get started with parasite cleansing. Now with parasite cleansing, it's really helpful to know like what kind of parasite you have. So if you do a GI map um, by Diagnostic Solutions, it will give you some items. It won't give you all of it. So if you have the symptoms for a parasite, you have the history for parasites, we see it in the blood work. We're just going to do an all-around great parasite protocol. I find when I don't know the exact parasite, but I know it's an issue, my number one product is going to be Cellcore. Now that's a practitioner grade product. It's very effective. It's not super effective for absolutely everything because no product is perfect, but Generally speaking, if I'm going to put anyone on a parasite protocol, it's going to be from Cellcor if I'm not sure um, what parasite we're addressing. And then we get into the parasite types like you have ropeworms, sporozoa, protozoa, which we talked about a little bit, nematode, trematode, zestode, those sorts of things. So when we know what kind it is, we can get more targeted in what we use as an antiparasitic. So I'll give you some examples outside of Cellcor that maybe people can look for and just understand kind of what they're looking for. Uh, so there's a company called Supreme Nutrition, and they make products like Golden Thread, Vidanga, Artemisia. These are uh, products that I use quite commonly when people are really sensitive. Oftentimes, people that are really sensitive will react to combination herbal products, like, for example, Cellcore in, say, for example, I think their Para 2 has like 10 plus herbs in there. And some people will just react really strongly to that. Um, then we get into the whole mast cell conversation. If people have been sick for quite a while, and this is in combination with living in a water-damaged building or being exposed to a water-damaged building, um, oftentimes their parasite protocols will look a lot different than somebody that just has a parasite. And then you have like combination products, I'm trying to think of one. Oh, Int Integrative Therapeutics has one called Paragard that I like to use. And that's like available anywhere. But the key to parasites is understanding that they work on a cycle. Okay. And this wow. is a huge mistake I made when I was working with the dietitian who said I had entamoeba histolytica. She basically said, take these supplements on a full moon and then you're good. No, that's terrible advice. Don't do that. Don't do that. Usually my clients are on an ongoing like parasite protocol for like six months off and on rotating out products, depending on the severity of it. 
with entamoeba histolytica, I did end up having to take antibiotics and it was such a pain to try to get a doctor to prescribe me the antibiotics I even wanted because some parasites, like I say, if they go beyond the gut, it's not that the gut we need to be worried about necessarily. It's like if we kill all of it in the gut, great. But if they're in the liver or the lungs, how do we get there and kill those? And so some of these herbal remedies will do it but others won't. And sometimes like in, in my case and many of my clients, if they have like chronic parasite issues, I'll say like, you can go to your doctor and get a thing for it and it'll probably be gone. And they're like, no, I'd really like to try to chip away as much as we can. And if that doesn't work after four to six months, then I'll get the medication. And sometimes it's enough and sometimes it's not, but we've chipped away like a lot. We've worked on drainage pathways. We've killed a lot of stuff and then they just need that extra oomph to take it the next level. So do not forget to work on drainage pathways first. Um, it's so, so, so important that we work on that drainage because if we start killing and we're not draining, you're wasting your time, energy, and money, and that's never a good thing. Yeah. Okay. So just so I'm understanding correctly with the testing, because I know a lot of people are probably thinking, okay, how, how do I know I have parasites and how do yeah. I know which ones are there? So we do the GI map stool test and then the functional blood chemistry, is that looking, that's looking for like depleted minerals and nutrition, or is that actually looking at some of the actual parasites that show up as well? Or is that just mainly looking at nutrition status so you can kind of link the, the parasites that might show up in the stool? Such a great question. So what is functional blood chemistry? I think is a good place to start. So functional blood chemistry is using your basic blood work that you would get from a doctor and looking at that with a functional glasses, I call it. So you put your little glasses on and you look at it, not diagnostically like a doctor would, but functionally looking up where does the body need support in its function. And so like I mentioned before, when I was talking about AST, ALT, platelets, white blood cells, these are all markers that can indicate a parasite infection. Okay. So a complete parasite pattern in basic blood work, you're looking at your, your CBC with differential, you're looking at your iron panel, you're looking at your CMP14, all of these markers I'm about to share are in these basic panels that I think altogether cost $9. Wow. Whether or not you get charged $9 from your doctor or your insurance, that's another story. I know that a com like a complete panel from me that includes a lot more is like $70. And that would be like your full blood work. So when we look at the parasite pattern, we're looking for high isonophils. So isonophils are a type of white blood cell that can react to parasites being in the body. Now it can react to other things. There are many, like that's the key to functional blood chemistry is understanding one marker does not mean one thing, but multiple markers together that say something similar could be this. Okay. So when I say a complete parasite pattern, it's when we see asonophils elevated. Basophils are also elevated, another type of white blood cell. Monocytes are also elevated, another white blood cell. Ferritin is low, usually around like 20 to 30, 40-ish is usually parasites, um, because the parasites eat ferritin. It won't go low, like in the case of anemia, where it gets like below 17, but it'll kind of like stay around 20 or 40, and it will not respond to iron. Like the worst thing you could do when you have a parasite, and I did this, was take iron for my ferritin because it just feeds the little guys. They're like, oh, this is a good day. Okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. So ferritin will generally be low. That goes into the parasite pattern. Then your bun, your AST and ALT might be low. Bun, not usually unless there's a B6 deficiency. LDH will sometimes be low. Alkaline phosphatase sometimes be low. GGT will sometimes be low. Again, these are all like normal markers you could get from your doctor. They usually don't test LDH. Unfortunately, it's like one of those specialty markers, but it literally costs like $3. I don't understand. And then your your white blood cells, platelets, AST, ALT might be high or low. And so that's the blood work portion of it. So in my mind, you really have three different areas, well, four, that you can look for for parasite, like to confirm whether or not you have parasites. One is symptoms. So some of the symptoms we already talked about, if you're like, yes, 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 maybe you have parasites. 
Number two, history. Like for myself, went to Dominican, felt terrible, never the same. Okay, we have history there. The third is the blood work. If listing off those markers, you're like, yep, yep, yep. Okay, that's the third piece. And then the fourth is the GI map. Now, not just the individual parasite items, but also the eosinophil activation protein being elevated, the secretory IgA being elevated. So if out of those four sections, you're like, yep, 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 then that just probably confirms you have a parasite. And so it's not like an exact science. It takes some, you know, clinical knowledge to be like, yeah, I remember a client had these exact same things and it turned out to be a parasite. And you might get lucky. You might see a parasite on your GI map and then you know exactly which one to target. Usually that's not the case. It is really rare to find a parasite on the GI map. And usually it's going to be Giardia if you find one. Yeah, so you can't rely on that 100%. And if a practitioner says, oh, congratulations, you don't have parasites because you didn't find it on the GI map, maybe educate them or find another practitioner because you really need those four different areas to kind of culminate into saying whether or not you could be dealing with parasites. When I started eating a low-carb diet in 2014, I had no idea the impacts that low electrolytes would have on my overall health. I started keto, I added a little bit of pink salt to my water, but really didn't think that a lack of sodium, potassium, or magnesium would really throw me off. I can tell you after a couple of weeks of eating the ketogenic diet, it was very apparent that I needed electrolytes. Unfortunately, at the time, there was no element electrolytes. There was no such thing. I really had two different options. They weren't the best. I went and added pink salt to my water. That tasted not so great. Fast forward a whole bunch of years, Element came out with their first electrolyte powder, and I've been hooked ever since. In fact, little secret here, I actually add more salt to my Element packet because I'm crazy. So my very favorite way to enjoy Element electrolytes is to add it to my 24 ounce water bottle and add an additional quarter teaspoon of gray sea salt. Now this isn't for everybody, but for individuals that are massively lacking sodium, I do have this issue personally. Um, it can display as allergies, apathy, abdominal bloating, depression, dizziness, fatigue, low blood pressure, low hydrochloric acid in your stomach, poor protein digestion, weakness, slow oxidation, and unfortunately, calcium supplements will make this even worse. And so if you think that maybe, maybe you need more sodium on your ketogenic diet, the best way to bump this up is with electrolyte packets. I've had many coaching friends and clients tell me that they're taking anywhere between two to six packets a day. I know that it is my most favorite way to prepare for a workout is doing my electrolytes about 30 minutes before I work out. If you haven't tried Element and you're looking for a different type of electrolyte or you've never tried them before and you're curious if this is the missing ticket in your ketogenic diet, you can go to drinklmnt.com, grab a couple items, and get a free sample pack with your order. That's eight single-serving packets free with any element order. All you have to do is go to drinklmnt.com slash kdp, and you can get your free sample pack with any order. Now, this is totally risk-free. If you don't like what you get, contact them and you, they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You really have nothing to lose. It's a fantastic product. And I can't wait to hear which flavor is your favorite. It's so confirming because when I was going through all of this with my son and he he's always had low ferritin and I know a couple of other members in my family and that's that's exactly what they say. Let's put them on iron. Yep. For the listeners who maybe not know, ferritin's the storage form of iron. Um, so yes, I mean, those those little buggers love to eat that. And we're so exposed to heavy metals. And I remember when I started to do some deep research on heavy metals and I actually had, I had two silver fillings in my mouth that were preventive put there when I was like 12 years old. <laughs> Had those removed. I had them removed. You know, you don't want to just go to any old dentist to do True. that. You want to do your research and, and have somebody take those out who is qualified to do so. I just started linking all the boxes, even with, with my son and he was like 11 and he had such low mm -hmm. fear. Like well, that, that's gotta be a link somehow, but 
his GI doctor in the conventional system knew next to nothing about nutrition, next to nothing about any of these clinical markers until he's so ill, everything <laughs> is so whacked out that at that point, it's just like living day to day is a challenge. But yeah, I studied all these things and I learned about biofilm and my husband's also in the medical field. And I remember talking to biofilm about biofilm with me, with him. And he just stared at me like I was an alien. Like he, I mean, these terms, people have no idea. And biofilm yeah. is basically like a t- protective slimy layer, kind of like yeah. a layer that will protect these organisms, bacteria, parasites, whatever. And so even if you are treating them, if you can't get to them, it's, you know, you're, you're, again, it's like, it's a fruitless endeavor, but it's so many things in combination, but you've given us so many things to think about. And I'm sure people are like, holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) I need to listen to that again. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's like, it's one of those podcast episodes that you could listen to like three, four times before you're really like, oh, wow. I can really start to connect the dots. And I love your approach with it because it's like, yeah, there's a lot of times people think that they have something going on or they can remember exact time that they might've picked something up. You know, maybe their stool hasn't been normal ever since then. And I, I just think of so many people who go to a GI doctor and just get nowhere and they live down their lives with these issues. So just combining all of these things is lovely. It's like, I love that there's that. that. Yes. (laughs) And the drainage pathways. And a lot of people don't think about that. And like my daughter never sweats. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) you know, and I'm sure people are all thinking of people um, as well. So so you you treat this like how can people work with you if they suspect that they have parasites and you do so many things like you're a ketogenic expert we didn't even talk about nutrition and how that plays a role with with all of this but um i would love to send people to you because not only do you know so much about gi stuff and the parasites but also how diet plays a role and how to go about you know, cycling and, and, and you lost your period for seven years. We didn't even touch on that. (laughs) So many things and how to, to get back. I mean, seven years is a very long time to go with period. I mean, your hormones are, are not healthy, but how do people work with you and how can we, you know, start to, to tackle some of this if they suspect they have parasites? Yeah. So yes, first off, thank you so much for having me. It's so great. I love being able to educate people like this because I think like I didn't know these things until I knew these things. And so if you've just been spinning your wheels and not getting anywhere, I hope that there's at least something that I shared. And I never want to poo-poo on doctors because they have such... They have such brilliance in the diagnostic realm. It's fantastic. And I think some of my most successful clients know how to play or I I teach them how to play with both sides of understanding the functional side of things, how that influences the diagnostic side of things and kind of how to balance those so we can all work together as a team. Because I think when we when we see that full picture and it's really our own responsibility of our own bodies to be the manager, like the project manager of this project is you and then you're hiring out to the various contractors that do the various jobs and you're kind of the middleman. And when you have that approach, everything changes. There are good days and there are bad days. There are usually arguments, walking out of offices, and that's all part of it. Um, But once you get that team of people, you know, maybe you just have a doctor that writes you prescriptions and they don't ask why. That is a total win. And so, you know, just just playing around with that. So uh, to work with me, yes. If you go to my website, healthfulpursuit.com, um, if that's way too hard to spell, you can just go to leannevogel.com and it will redirect you. That's L-E-A-N-N-E, V as in Victor, O-G-E-L.com. Um, and I have all so many, like years, like I think we're at 14 years on the blog of content and nutrition and recipes and parasite stuff and blood work stuff, like everything functional wellness across the board. Um, and then on that page also, there's information about coaching with me. I just started a new process of coaching applications, which is really exciting where I'm, I'm really wanting to target who I work with and really, really making sure that the person is ready to like do the work. And so that's really exciting. 
So you can find more details about that on my website. And then I'm on Instagram. But like you said, I've been like really busy. I don't have a lot of time to like make reels and stuff. But there are tons of reels on there about parasites and metals and hormones and everything. So that's at Leanne Vogel. Um, And then I have a podcast, The Keto Diet Podcast, where we talk about going beyond just the standard ketogenic approach of if it fits your macros and understanding that keto is a lifestyle understanding our glucose, our insulin, these are important aspects. But if we have the nutrition dialed in and we're still not successful, what else is there? And so it's kind of a mixture of all sorts of things related to living a low-carb life beyond if it fits your macros. So that's those are all the places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I, I think you've really given people some hope. And so many of the people that are listening have had longstanding issues and are doing work. Maybe they're not 100% there with what they wanted to accomplish with nutrition and lifestyle, but at least they, if they have, they have another direction to go. And especially if they've fit, you know, kind of checked all the boxes that you explained today. So thank you for all the work that you do and for all of the education that you provided today. You were a fabulous guest. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can check out Shanna's podcast by going to the Fast to Heal Stories podcast where she interviewed me on her show, the same recording, but she's got a whole bunch of other things there for you. Okay, I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 